When do you decide to trust or not to trust someone? How do we trust others in the program and what fears might stop us from trusting? Welcome to episode 281 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Molly, Jamie, Amelia, and Michael. They use the donation button on our website. Thank you, Molly, Jamie, Amelia, and Michael for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experience. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I am your host today. I want to start with a reading. This is from our daily reader, Courage to Change, April 3rd. Many of us resisted coming to Al-Anon because we didn't want anyone to know about our problems. We feared that our boss or our friends would find out or that it would get back to the alcoholic. These fears accompanied me to my first Al-Anon meeting. To my horror, just as I sat down, one of my neighbors walked into the room and sat down across from me. What could I do now? Run? In the midst of my panic, I noticed a sign on the table that said, Whom you see here, what you hear here, when you leave here, let it stay here. And on the wall, I saw a banner with the traditions, one of which said that anonymity is Al-Anon's spiritual foundation. I stayed for the meeting, but I still worried. My neighbor never said a word to anyone. In time, I began to trust that it was safe to get the help I so desperately needed because the only one who would ever mention my membership in Al-Anon was me. To this day, I am confident that my anonymity was and always will be protected, and my gratitude is beyond measure. Today's reminder from that reading. Unless I protect the anonymity of all members, Al-Anon will not be a safe place for any of us. So what is trust? Well, I looked it up in the dictionary, of course, and I got these definitions. There's a noun, firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. And as a verb, to believe in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. Okay, you know, that's basic. But what does it really mean? And how do we come to have trust? What are maybe the components of trust? You know, what's what's going on here? And how, as I asked at the beginning, how do we find enough trust in an Al-Anon meeting, speaking with Al-Anon friends, to really be vulnerable, to talk about the pain, the shame in our lives, openly, honestly, so that we can heal? How, do, how does that happen? And as I often do here, I go back to the work of Brene Brown. She did some research on this topic of trust that, uh, according to a talk titled The Anatomy of Trust that I will post a link to, was inspired by her third grade daughter coming home from school in tears because she had told something to some friends and somehow it had gotten all over the class almost instantly and she was so embarrassed And she said, I'm never going to trust anyone again. And so Brene wonders, well, you know, how do you develop trust? And in her daughter's class, the teacher had a marble jar. This is a jar full of marbles, not a jar made out of marble, whatever. Whenever the class did something good, behaved well, the teacher would put a marble in the jar. And if the jar got full, then they'd have a party. 
And if the class was misbehaving, if there were problems, she would take a marble or marbles out of the jar. She realized that trust is kind of like the marble jar, that we people earn trust by doing things that put marbles in our jar. And they lose trust, they earn distrust by doing things that take marbles out of the jar. And she further, in conversation with her daughter, her daughter helped her to realize this, realized that so often the things that put marbles in the jar are not big things. They're little things. One of her daughter's friends, she said, was a marble jar friend because she would save her a seat at lunch or at least half a seat. They would both, you know, sit on half on the seat if there was no place for her to sit so she could sit by her friends, you know, and this is a small thing that builds trust that you really know that this person is a friend. And so in her research, she came across a quote or description by a man named Charles Feltman, who has what she says is the most beautiful definition of trust. And that is trust is choosing to make something important to you vulnerable to the actions of someone else. Okay. So think about you come to a meeting and there's something really weighing on you. And this is something that you can't, maybe can't talk about with your family, can't talk about with your friends, can't, can't really, you got nobody you can talk to it about, but it's just weighing you down. And, you know, I don't know about you, but at the beginning, in particular at the beginning of the program, I was there like all the time. I had this stuff, all this stuff that I just had to hold it in because I didn't trust anybody enough to bear this vulnerability. And I could come to a meeting and in the meeting, which is full of strangers, people that I barely know, maybe people who are there for the very first time that I've never seen before. And somehow have the trust in the meeting, which means trusting the people in the meeting to open up, to be honest about the things that embarrass me that I'm ashamed of, that the fears that I have to really be human. And wow, you know, how does that happen? So I started to think about, you know, what are some of the the marbles of trust that I have found here in this program, in these 12-step rooms? I think the first one is open, honest, vulnerable sharing by other people. So both of the meetings that I attend regularly, when there is somebody who is new to the program at the meeting, we have what we call a first step meeting, where we read the description of step one. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. We read the description of that out of the book, out of the book that that meeting uses. One meeting uses paths to recovery. The other meeting uses how Al-Anon works. They both have great descriptions of step one about what brought us to Al-Anon, about our powerlessness and what that means for us, and the fact that there is hope in the program. So we read that, and then typically each of us who has been in the program for a while talks about what brought us to Al-Anon and what we found here. Now, that didn't actually happen in my first meeting, but I think that when we who have been there for a little while, a few 24 hours, as some people say, are so completely open about those things in our lives that 
maybe at the time we came into the program, at the time I came into the program, I couldn't tell anybody. I could not say those words, my wife is an alcoholic. Ugh. That just was so, that had to be so secret for me. I couldn't say them, but so I can say that. And I can say that without shame. I can say that, you know, as a fact, my wife is a recovering alcoholic now. And at the time I came into the program, she was an actively drinking alcoholic. And that was so shameful at that time, but now it's not. And so to be able to talk about the rage that I felt, the, the way that I screamed at my children, the shame that I felt, the, the loneliness that I felt, I think being open and vulnerable invites trust, invites vulnerability and openness in response. So that's a marble, or maybe a bunch of marbles. I was at a meeting recently where we were talking about step one because there was a newcomer in the room. And somebody said, Al-Anon is the first place that when I talked, people nodded. You know, they had been there. They understood. Just that silent, that silent agreement, that silent, you're not alone statement. Again, at least one marble. And when it happens over and over, many, many, many marbles. It's a lot easier to trust someone who's walked where you've walked, if not in the exact details, in the, in the feelings, in the emotions, in the fear, in the anger, in the despair, in the confusion. People showing up, people showing up week after week. I start to trust in the meeting being there. I start to trust in certain people who maybe when they speak, it feels like they're speaking straight to me. They're there week after week. They're reliable. They, you know, another marble or two or five for all those people who keep showing up, who keep being there for me and for everybody else. You know, sometimes in a meeting when I'm sharing a difficulty in my life, I may end by saying, thank you for being here for me. Just as I'm here for you. Because it's true. Many, many marbles. The lack of judgment, the lack of judgment. When, when I talk about something that I think is just horrible that I did, and I see people smiling, nodding, accepting me as I am, as broken as I am, and not judging me, you know, maybe partly because they've done it too. There's a lot of power in, the, in, in me too, in the, yeah, I've been there, I've done that. We're human. Marbles. And keeping confidences, as the reading said, we are expected, the unenforceable tradition that what's said in a meeting stays in a meeting, that we don't carry somebody else's story out and say, hey, you know what I heard from so-and-so, or you know who I saw in the meeting? And I have to say, you know, when I was early in the program, I might have done that because I didn't really understand it. Or I might have talked to somebody in the program about somebody else in the program when they weren't there. And in fact, I have done that. And that leads us to marbles of distrust. What causes us to take marbles out of the jar? And I think one of the big ones is breaking a confidence. I have a character trait, might call it a defect, when it's really playing out. I want you to like me. And I used to think, and it's still true, but there's this distinction here, and I'll get to this. I used to think that if I showed that I remembered stuff about you, then you'd like me. Sort of reasonable. Um, one of 
One of Brene Brown's stories from her daughter about a friend who has a marble jar full of trust, that her friend remembered her particular grandparents' names, and she's got eight grandparents because both of her parents' parents had been divorced and remarried. But her friend remembered the particular names of that particular pair of grandparents, and this is the sort of thing that builds trust. You know, you really care about me. You remember these grandparents are called Oma and Opa, as opposed to my other grandparents, who I don't know what they're called. I don't know. I mean, she knew, obviously. So there's, there's that sort of, yes, I see you. I care about you. I remember things that are important to you. But the other, the other kind, and, and I certainly have done this, is I just blurt out something about you to show that you know, I, am, I am knowledgeable. I had a friend in the program, and I did this a couple of times revealed some information that this friend would rather have not had, would rather have had the choice of their own to reveal or not reveal. And the first time I was told, Hey, don't do that. You know, I want to keep my confidentiality to myself. I'm like, yeah, okay, I get it. And then I did it again. And I might've done it a third time. And the person said, I'm sorry, I can't be friends anymore. I just can't trust you. So marbles of distrust, I think that the marbles of distrust are probably much larger than the marbles of trust. It doesn't take as many distrustful events to take away trust as it does to gain trust. Maybe each event takes out many more marbles. I'm not sure. Unsolicited advice. Man, been there. I've probably done it. I'm sure I've done it. One of the things that I heard really early in the program is we don't give you advice. Because we don't know what's right for you. We only know what's right or not right for ourselves. And we'll share that with you. And then you can take what you like and leave the rest, as we so often say. But there are healthy people in the program and unhealthy people in the program. And I've been on the receiving end of, of unwanted, unasked for advice. And it did not make me feel good. And in one case, it turned me off of a particular meeting and never went back. So again, big, big handful of marbles there for one simple statement. Well, what you really ought to do is blah, blah, blah. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Go away. Do not talk to me. I didn't say any of that because I'm too polite, I guess, but I thought it, you know, big handful of marbles gone from that jar. Or maybe there weren't very many. I mean, when I walk into a new meeting, maybe I got like a half full jar of, of trust marbles because it is Al-Anon. And I have learned that, in general, Al-Anon meetings are places that I can be trusting. But something like that, whoop, there they go, all gone. Another distrustful incident that, that I've been witness to is somebody at the table basically speaking for another person at the table after that person has shared. And I think what they're trying to say is, I understand what you mean. I understand what you feel. But what comes out is, oh, this is what you're feeling. This is what you should be feeling, which again, just breaks that trust so, so quickly and so harshly that, uh, you know, a friend of mine that happened to a friend of mine and, and who said, you know, I'm, I, I almost didn't want to come back to the meeting if that person was going to be there again. So marbles of trust, marbles of distrust. Brene Brown went further being the researcher the sociologist that she is, and she came up with an acronym of the components of trust. She says, you know, when we trust someone, 
we are braving that they will not violate that trust, that they will not let us down, that they will not hurt us. And another thing that this Feltman guy said, he says, distrust happens when what I've shared with you that is important to me is not safe with you. So let's look at this acronym BRAVING. And yeah, we will talk about program acronyms, but this one's her acronym. The B stands for boundaries. In order for me to trust you, in order for you to trust me, we must have clear boundaries about what is mine and what is yours and what is not mine and what is not yours. Digging in slightly, what is mine that I've given to you that I want you to hold safe and what is yours that you've given to me that I want to hold safe. So in the program, we set some some of these boundaries explicitly. You may have that table tent that says, whom you see here, what you hear here, when you leave here, let it stay here. In our closing, we talk about keeping things in the confines of your mind and in the room. So there's some boundaries. There are boundaries set up by our traditions. Many of the traditions are about boundaries. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Nobody's going to be the boss of the meeting. The meeting gets to decide as a group how they want to be together. You know, the traditions about this is what Al-Anon is and what it isn't. Um, every group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting Al-Anon or AA as a whole or another group. Okay, So we, we can decide within the group how we want to hold our group as long as it stays true to the traditions and as long as it doesn't affect another group or the program as a whole. You know, tradition five says what we do here. Traditions, some of the traditions say what we don't do here. You know, we're self-supporting through our own voluntary contributions. That's something we do, but it also says we don't take money from people outside the program. And tradition six says we don't give money outside the program. So there are a lot of boundaries that help us to trust in the program. You know, if I put my buck or two bucks in the basket in a meeting, I know that it's going to support the programs of Al-Anon. It's nobody, nobody's going to use it to like go buy a cup of coffee or something. And, you know, I have to trust that, but we have checks and balances. We have a treasurer for the meeting and the treasurer makes periodic reports during the group's business meeting. At least one of the meetings that I go to when the treasurer counts what's in the basket, he or she always asks somebody else to count with them. Maintaining trust, setting the boundary that this is the meeting's money, it's not my money. Boundaries are really important personally. And boundaries are something that I know when I came into Elanon, I had very, very loose, if any, concept of personal boundaries. And learning, learning, you know, what's mine, what's inside my hula hoop, as we say, and what's not mine, helps me to be more trustworthy. I think it also helps me to trust more, because if I can see my and set my own boundaries, I can also see that other people are doing the same. So that's the B in braving. R, reliability. Will you do what you say? Will you say what you're doing? Will you be there when you say you'll be there? And that was one of the marbles that I identified for meetings. You know, the people that are there week after week, they're reliably there. I can trust that they will be there, that somebody will be there when I need them to be there. And I can be reliable myself. I can be there week after week. And that's really, you know, for me, that's important to see familiar, friendly faces, because it helps to keep that trust in the meeting up. So reliability is a big part of trust. If I can't trust you to do what you say you're going to do, if I can't trust you to be somewhere when you say you're going to be there, that takes marbles out of my jar or doesn't put marbles in for you. 
and vice versa. All of these go both ways. And and it, Brown says, in order for us to really trust somebody, we have to be trustable, trustworthy in re- in return. It's it's not a one way street, which is seems real, seems true, and also very interesting. It's not a one way street. Trust, accountability, and you know you look at those two words, reliability and accountability, and you're like, well, what's the difference? Don't they sort of mean the same thing? And she says, no, they don't. Accountability means you take ownership of what you say and do. And when you're wrong, you make amends. And, oh, there's that word. Made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all and then made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. That is a core part of the 12-step program is owning up to what we did, what we said, and when necessary, making amends. And of course, there's the whole inventory process as well, which is part of that. So accountability is a huge part of the program and helps to build trust in the program, trust outside the program, helps to make, helps us to become more trustworthy with the people that love us and that we love in our lives. We're just the people that we interact with on a daily basis. You know, I don't necessarily love my coworkers, but I do have to work with them. And when I am reliable and accountable, it's a much easier workplace, you know, when they're reliable and accountable too. It goes both ways. V. V is the vault. V is if I tell you something and I ask you not to tell anybody else, you will keep that in your vault and not let it out. That is, again, that's a huge part of trust. And it's it's a way that trust can be completely broken very quickly. If I give you a big secret and then you know you go tell somebody else and eventually it gets back to me, I'm not going to tell you anything anymore uh, unless we can put a whole lot more marbles back into that jar. The vault. Braving. The next one is I. I is integrity. Am I honest? Am I honest with myself? Am I honest with you? Are you honest with me? Again, big part of this program. Step four, inventory. Step five, telling God ourselves and another human being the exact nature of our wrongs really builds integrity when we start to see ourselves as we really are, and in steps six and seven become humble and accept ourselves as we are, then we can be people of integrity. We can be honest. We can be who we really are and not who we're pretending to be. And when I'm that kind of person and you're that kind of person, it's much easier to build trust between us because we know that neither of us is really hiding ourselves. We're not hiding something essential that if I knew it about you or if you knew it about me, would break our trust. N, non-judgment. I spoke about that earlier, and that was one of the first things that I really felt in the rooms of Al-Anon, that y'all were not judging me for loving an alcoholic, for being unable to fix an alcoholic. You know, you were accepting me as I was without judgment. As our closing suggested closing says, you'll love us in a very special way, the same way we already love you. It's hard to love somebody if you're also judging them. So if I don't judge you, you don't judge me, again, so much easier to say those really important things that need to be said, to trust that we will hold each other up and not try to tear each other down. And the G, generosity. And the generosity of people in the program of Al-Anon and the generosity that I've learned and just giving of myself to 
people who are hurting in, in the ways that I had been hurting and in the ways that I sometimes still hurt, which is why I need your generosity. We're not talking necessarily, we're not talking about money here. We're talking about generosity of spirit, generosity of time and presence. Just listening. As I say at the end here, you know, just listening is a gift to us here in the show. So braving, can you brave trust? Can you be braving in giving and receiving trust? I hope so. As the reading that I opened with mentioned, you know, Tradition 12 says, Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles above personalities. In the reading about Tradition 12 and how Al-Anon works, it mentions that anonymity is the basis of the trust that makes this program possible. So, who are your marble jar friends? And what puts marbles in your jar? What takes them out? And is your program jar full of marbles? After a short break, we will continue with our lives in recovery, where we talk about how recovery works in our daily lives and in our meetings. Instead of a song for my first selection, I will put a link to the video of Brene Brown talking about the anatomy of trust. It's about a 20-minute talk at, that she gave at, uh, I guess it's a, a gathering that, that Oprah brought together called Soul Matters. I don't think I'm going to be able to actually embed the video on the page, but there will be a link. The video's on her website, and I can't figure out how to make a direct link that shows up in the page. And if I do, it'll be there. If I don't, just click on the link and listen to her talk about trust, talk about her daughter's story, and what that brought her to discover. this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives and recovery, what's happening in our meetings and in our lives this week. Well, what's going to be happening in my life this week is on Thursday, my wife and I will be driving to be with my parents for a long weekend. My brother, who is their primary caregiver, is flying out to California because a friend's getting married and because he needs some time off from this full-time job that he's got, this 24-hour-a-day job that he's got of taking care of our parents. So my wife and I will be there for four days, and I know it's going to be hard. And I am so grateful that this weekend, this last weekend, I had the opportunity to attend two first step meetings. And in the first one, I just wasn't really thinking about what was coming up. I just you know, shared my, my experience coming into the program, what I found here. And in the second one, and I think it was somebody else's share that prompted me to think, oh, I am going into a situation where I am powerless. I am powerless over my parents' health, over their dementia. And, you know, I so want to fix it because that's who I am. And this is something I cannot fix. And I can only accept. I can only continually remind myself to be there in the moment, to enjoy the times of lucidity, and to understand that, you know, this is where they are. In their, in their lives. And when, say, my father pulls out the same photo album five times in two hours because every time it's new to him and it reminds him of something that was important in our lives and, and he wants to remind me of it, which is behavior that is somewhat triggering for me still, even over a decade of sobriety in our family, that the forgetting, the repetition, you know, reminds me of those times a little bit and brings that fear 
that despair that I can't change it. But if, if I can see it as this is new to him every time, then I can change the way that I respond. I can change my attitude, my angle of approach and enjoy the time rather than being just so freaking frustrated. So that's coming up. And I know I will be using the principles of my program hourly while we're there, but I will also be using the principles that, you know, the just for today, the one day at a time, the first things first, that allow me to be there with my parents and to enjoy the time with them as well. And that's a gift. It's absolutely a gift. So coming up, we're still talking about acronyms and alliterations. Acronyms like fear, false evidence appearing real, halt, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Alliterations like the three A's, awareness, acceptance, and action. The four M's. Now let me see if I get this right. Mm, managing, manipulation, mothering, and martyrdom. We have a whole bunch of these things. So what's your favorite or two? Send it in. Call. Write. Tell us what's yours and why. Thanks. And how you can do that. Oh, yes. Uh, how do you call us? You call and leave a voicemail at 734-707-8795. You can call right now. 734-707-8795. You can use the voicemail button on the website. You can record a memo on your phone and mail it to us. You, or you can send email to feedback at show. And if you forget all of those things, remember therecovery.show slash contact because they're all there. We would love to hear from you. Please share your experience, strength, and hope about trust, about how you have gained trust, how you have earned trust, how you have lost trust, and of course, acronyms and alliterations. Next week, as I said, I'll be out of town on the weekend, which is when I normally record the show. And I have had this thought that while I'm visiting my parents, somehow I can record a show and it never happens. So I'm planning another step with Mary Pearl T. It's been a while. And I think we're up to step seven, if I remember correctly. I'll have to go back and look. So you can look forward for that. The week after, so the weekend of March 9, 10, 11, I think it is. Is that right? 8, 9, 10, right. The weekend of March 8th, 9th, and 10th. On the 8th and the 10th, I will be attending the March Roundup in Detroit, Michigan with my wife. Uh, I'd love to meet you if you're also planning to be there. We'll be there Friday evening and Sunday morning through the uh, the speaker. Uh, on Saturday, I'm going to a friend's wedding, so I won't be there. And I'm pretty easy to find. I'm a tall guy. I have shoulder-length purple hair or blue. It's blue in the back, purple on the sides. So easy to find me. Come up, say hi. Um, if you've got a minute and, and if we've got a minute, I'd love to, to talk to you, you know, on record uh, what you're finding at, at the conference, at the convention, you know, what are your impressions? What, what was, what really stood out for you? What spoke to you? What, what did you enjoy? Because I only really started going to these things a few years ago and it's, it's a really great experience, a really concentrated dose of recovery and fun. So I hope to see some of you there. And as I said, the website is therecovery.show. We have all the information about the show there, notes for the episode, links to the music or videos we talk about, the readings, and et cetera, are all there at therecovery.show slash 281 for this episode. So head over there. Got some mail this week, but before we look at that, the second musical selection, which is available on the website at therecovery.show slash 281, is an 
an, an oldie but goodie, I guess you could say, Trust in Me, as performed by Etta James. I think she first performed this back in the 1930s. Some lyrics here. Come to me without more speculation. Have no fear. Give me your hand, my dear. Trust in me in all you do. Have the faith I have in you. Love will see us through, if only you trust in me. And right there in the middle is that mutual respect, that mutual trust. Trust in me. Have the faith I have in you. So please trust me. I trust you already. Several people wrote about episode 280 where Brian joined us to talk about Essanon. Laura wrote, thank you for representing Essanon on your program. I've listened to your program for several years as an adjunct to my Essanon program. I'm grateful to have multiple sources of recovery available. Blessings. Kate said, thank you for exploring the Essanon Fellowship and all it has to offer those who suffer. I recently started listening to your podcast in addition to my Essanon work and find it fulfilling. And Ginger says, grateful for the topic, Spencer and Brian. Mentioned during the show was how Essanon and Elanon differ, and I appreciate Brian's process addiction definition. What I've come to understand is, although one is a substance addiction and one is a process addiction, they are both rooted in the pain of a spiritual and emotional fracture early, and for some, ongoing in our lives. As a member of both Anon groups, I can apply cunning, baffling, and powerful to both. Just as the alcoholic states they didn't intend to become an alcoholic, so states the sexaholic, yet unmanageability is where those affected by either find themselves. The betrayal that often goes along with sexaholism adds another facet to this particular disease, yet I can say intimacy is impacted in both. For my qualifier and I, we have our own 12-step programs to work on ourselves independently, and we also attend RCA, Recovering Couples Anonymous, to work the 12 steps together with other couples from other 12-step groups, AA, Elanon, NA, SA, SNON, etc. This program has given my qualifier and me a place to safely work on our coupleship with other couples using the principles of the program. We are couples committed to restoring healthy communication, caring, and greater intimacy to our coupleships. And she leaves us a link, which I will put in the show notes at therecovery.show slash 281, signs herself a grateful member of the 12 steps. A listener wrote, hi, I'm Shana from Iowa, and I'm very new to the recovery show. I visited an Al-Anon meeting about six years ago. At that time in my life or situation, I wasn't truly ready to accept that I needed Al-Anon. In fact, I left thinking, I hate this. A group is not what I need. Fast forward six years, and still in the throes of my codependency and my husband's alcoholism, I found your podcast. I've been in therapy for about nine months, and Iowa weather being what it is, there was a day recently that I couldn't make it to counseling due to the snow. It was a day when I really needed that outlet. A good friend of mine listens to podcasts, and I thought, why not search out a podcast related to Al-Anon, and that's where I found your show. Because of your show, I'm working on my courage to attend an Al-Anon meeting. I really think I can do this, and in fact, I am not alone in these struggles. Your show hit the nail on the head for me when I listened to an episode that spoke about the chaotic life we as sober spouses of alcoholics lead, trying to make everything work. I've been trying to do everything, including thinking I could talk my alcoholic out of drinking so much. I haven't walked through the doors yet, but I actually want to now. I want to be well again for myself and for my children. And thanks to your show, I feel like I'm on the right track. Thank you. Well, thank you, Shana, for writing, um, sharing your experience, strength, and hope, and you know, we are here for the newcomer. We are here for the person who's 
never been to a meeting, doesn't really know maybe why they would go to a meeting or is scared to go to a meeting, we hope to bring some of that experience to you and maybe you can then find that face-to-face help that I think is so important in our program. It's a comment left on episode 212, which was titled, I Didn't Get Sober for This Shit. Hi, Spencer. My name is Michelle from Minnesota, and I'm returning Al-Anon follower. I've experienced the abuse that comes from living with an alcoholic and his circle of alcoholic friends and family. I just wanted to let you know how much I appreciate your show and know that it has restored my sanity and saved my life. My husband and I have separated again, and he has gone through treatment only to move in with his circle of drinking friends and slip even after a DUI. I seek my recovery from your episodes, and listening on a regular basis helps me in my daily life to make better choices and not react to the verbal abuse that comes from my husband when he is not working a program. I have learned so much about codependency and how to love in a healthier way without trying to control or engage in conversations that are nothing but toxic. I recognize the pushback I feel from my loved ones when I choose not to engage in toxic speak used to scare me into a defensive attitude now tells me I am right on the right path to recovery and to inhibit or at least stop the toxic conversation on my end. Thank you again for your tireless efforts with these episodes. They have truly changed my life, and thank you to everyone who contributes. I consider the recovery show my greatest wise counsel. What a blessing. Well, thank you, Michelle, for, for all those kind words. And, you know, you remind me that I don't know if I say thank you enough to the people who participate in the show with me. Those of you who write in, those of you who call in and those of you who you know participate in one or more episodes are, are guest hosts on the show because I really could not do it without you. I couldn't sit here week after week and monologue without that support. So thank you. D wrote, hello, recovery friends. Hello and thank you for all that you do to reach out to the recovery community. I wanted to share my thoughts for your upcoming show. While this isn't alliteration or an acronym, my favorite saying right now is simply let go and let God. I finally realized after so many years that my loved one has his own relationship with his own higher power and I have mine. This saying has been on my heart lately in a different way. Instead of praying to fix others, I am praying for myself and my actions. About a month ago, my husband woke up after a many-day drinking binge and walked into the kitchen and said, I need help. In 20 years, he has never said this. While it remains to be seen where this will lead, he said he wanted to talk to someone and has been to a therapist for a couple of sessions. While I'm hopeful for his sobriety, I remain in prayer for my own heart, my own actions, and for God's will to be revealed in my life one day, one moment at a time. In another part of my life, I have a younger sister who can be extremely difficult to deal with. Hopefully, she is in touch with her higher power too, because the best I can do is pray for my own actions and behavior. I heard someone say recently, may have been on your podcast, that sometimes you need to let people be who they are. This is so hard because it sometimes seems appropriate to be assertive to protect your own dignity. But finding this balance can be best achieved when in a state of ever-evolving serenity. God bless and thank you for all you do. Best, D. And there is so much wisdom in that letter. Thank you so much, D. Thank you so much. Rewind a little bit. Rewind a couple minutes, however long it took me to read that, and listen again. Sometimes you need to let people be who they are, and I need to remember that this coming weekend, so thanks. An anonymous listener wrote with a topic suggestion, Hi Spencer, I really enjoy your podcast and listen to it every day on my way to work. Thank you so much for your service. You are a life changer. I did have a topic recommendation. What do you think about reviewing the newly released movie, A Star is Born? I think that would be super interesting, as it involves drug and alcohol addiction, and I'd love to hear a discussion about it from the Al-Anon perspective, as I believe Bradley Cooper, who wrote the film, went to AA, and it is written from an AA perspective. 
My personal opinion when I watched it was that Lady Gaga's character never got a chance to be human, to get angry, to throw something, to scream, and I found that totally unrealistic for a woman in her situation. Anyway, I'd love to hear that movie analyzed from the Al-Anon perspective. That would be so cool. Thanks again. Signed, Anonymous. Okay. Well, that, that sounds like fun. Need to get together with some Al-Anon friends and watch the, watch the movie, or maybe you know a couple of us can watch the movie and then get together and talk about it on the show. Anybody up for that? Let me know. Feedback at therecovery.show. Thanks. Carla left us a voicemail. Hi, Spencer. My name is Carla. I first of all want to say thank you for doing all that you do to get the podcast available for people. I really appreciate it. It's been a lifeline for me lately. Second, I wanted to suggest a topic, and I'd also be happy to help with an episode on this since it's something I need to work on. I actually have a few different ones, but the one I'm kind of honing in on is learning to trust my intuition versus fears. So kind of distinguishing between uh, intuition and fear. It might need a little bit more refinement to get there for a real topic, but that's kind of what I'm exploring. Again, I do have a couple other topics as well if you're interested but I just wanted to kind of start this process because I'm in kind of the the thick of recovery, trying to recommit and um, heal after having to leave my alcoholic boyfriend. And I also wanted to say thank you for your episode on SNN. That's also a big part of my story. Yeah, I appreciate you bringing someone on to to share that because when I first started in recovery, I started in Al-Anon, but I was with a partner that was a sex addict, and I did not know that there were resources available for that, and a lot of people I asked didn't know either. So thank you for that, and uh, I will follow up with an email as well. And again, a great show. Have a nice day. Thanks, Carla. And Carla did also send a mail, which she says, I got a little nervous and rambled a bit, and I, you know, I actually found your, your voicemail not too rambly. You know, you made some points that were important. She says, I had recorded voicemails to you a couple times on my phone, but never seemed to be able to send them. But now I've finally done it. And doesn't that feel good, huh? In the, I'm in the process of extricating myself from a relationship with an alcoholic boyfriend. I've been in recovery for over 10 years, yet I still chose a relationship with an active drinker. I'm still working through why I let it happen and how to better avoid it in the future. There are a number of external and internal factors that contributed. I know it will take time to heal and grow from it. And one of the best ways to facilitate that is to refocus and recommit to my recovery. The topic I suggested in my voicemail was about learning to distinguish between intuition and fear. To some extent, you might have hit enough of this topic in episode 279, which is the recent one titled, Do You Like Yourself? And we also did one about intuition and God's will. I think a while ago, I'll, I'll find it and put a link in the show notes. But intuition and fear, I'm not sure we've brought those two together. So, interesting suggestion. Anyway, she says, I'm hoping to try to dive a little deeper, or perhaps a better topic would be about relapse in our program and repeating patterns. I obviously chose another bad partner, and I believe that I had enough evidence that I was on a bad path, yet I continued along anyway. I've seen a number of sponsees do the same. I would like to establish better tools to combat my own poor choices and relapse. Thank you for all you do in the podcast, and thank you for bringing on Brian to share about SNN. That is also a big part of my story, and I was grateful to hear it talked about Carla. And thanks, Carla. I think we got two good suggestions there, um, and we'll put them on my topic list. Craig writes, Spencer, I can't thank you enough for all of your work and the work of your co-hosts in putting on this podcast. 
I started in Al-Anon about eight months ago and have been listening to your podcast since that time. I'm up to episode 195 now. Hope to be up to date by May. I'm living with active drinking by my spouse and have three teenagers at home. They too have been affected by their mother's drinking. I've introduced all three to Alateen, but none have wanted to continue. Many of the stories you have shared describe my current reality. Your experience and strength give me hope. I've been attending weekly meetings, have gotten involved in service, and participate in a men's four-step group. I grew up in a household affected by alcoholic drinking by my grandmother and my parents. I've come to understand the effect of the disease on my growing up and how it has now affected my marriage. I'm also seeing it affect my children. It is an insidious and crafty disease. Despite the nature of the disease, I've found serenity and worked the steps to maintain and advance my recovery. Please pass along my thanks to Eric for introducing me to the Insight Timer app. I've taken up meditation and it has done wonders. Please also pass along my thanks to Carrie for encouraging yoga as I have started hot yoga and has helped me find my serenity. Thank you so very much for all your service. Craig, a grateful member of Al-Anon from Alberta. This paragraph about three teenagers at home affected by their mother's drinking, try to get them to go to Al-T and they didn't want to go. Right there with you, guy. That is, I only had two, but only two was enough. And no, they didn't want to go to Alatine. And, uh, you know, they have found some help in various ways, but I wish ain't happening. Thanks for writing, everybody. Thanks for connecting. It doesn't cost you anything to listen to The Recovery Show. We do have expenses. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Molly, Jamie, Amelia, and Michael did. And thank you again for your support. We have put together a list of recovery-related books, and I have to say I'm, I'm working on revamping that page partly to add books that have happened since I first put it together. And that includes, which I forgot to mention earlier when one of the writers was talking about intimacy, this new book, Intimacy and Alcoholic Relationships, which is a wonderful book. I haven't finished it yet, but it's got lots of great sharings on all different aspects of intimacy and how they're affected by alcoholic or addictive relationships. Brian mentioned it last week also. Anyway, click or tap on the books link in the menu at the top of the page. And if you order a book from Amazon through our website, we receive a small commission. Thank you for your support. In whatever form you give it, whether it's sharing the podcast with your friends, simply direct them to therecovery.show or just listening to us. We are here for you. Last song I picked here is an artist that, you know, I don't normally listen to, but I like the song. It's by Christina Perry. It's called Trust. And some I picked some lyrics out of the middle here that kind of pick up on this trust-distrust thing. Words that hurt the ones you love and hatred for who you're becoming. I knew better than, yes, I knew better than, to trust myself, to trust someone else, to trust the lies that slip from my mouth, trust the heart I'm so quick to sell. Yes, I knew better then, I knew better then, to trust love again. Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time.